0: This is the word of God this morning, hungering and fasting after righteousness. I, I, I will speak a bit of the background of the message, who is a disciple, because Jesus was speaking to some of the, part of his congregation was his disciples. Why hunger and thirst? And so, what is the problem? And then the need to go back to our senses. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. So what is the, the uh, just to paint quickly the background of the message is that uh, Matthew chapter 5 verse 6 is from the very first part of the sermon on the mount which Jesus gave of course uh, and it's covered from uh, chapter 5 of Matthew to chapter 7 and uh, it is the, this part is called the beatitudes the beatitudes are of course from the Latin root word beatus which means blessed or blessed. And hence, of course, each one of them begins with the word blessed. Amen. Of course, at times, some preachers refer to them as the beautiful attitudes. They lay the basic foundation of the Christian faith. Don't forget, Jesus talked about this and then he ended with verse 11 and 12. Because the the Beatitudes, which are eight of them, are Things from within. Blessed are those who do... This. Blessed are those who are like this. Blessed are those who do A, B, C. But then verse 10 and 11 talks about... Uh, no, 11 and 12 is the... Uh, 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 blessed are you. Now, when other people do something to you. When they falsely accuse you. I'm using my own words. When they revile you, when they persecute you, when they say all kinds of evil things about you, you are blessed. Amen. It says then, rejoice and be exceedingly glad for great is your reward in heaven because they persecuted your own master. So my, my own question there is then, who are we? Because we are not a slave. Is not greater than the master, praise the Lord. And this is what builds up to the beautiful message that we keep referring every so often of being the salt and the light of the earth. That is the basic, the very basic message any Christian should get. Praise the Lord. So Jesus was teaching his disciples because don't forget the beginning of that chapter says as Jesus saw the crowds gathering he went to the side of the mountain and his disciples came and sat around him. They sat at his feet, and he started to teach them. Praise the Lord. But then towards the end of the message, you realize it's like the crowd has grown because it talks about the crowds now. But the beginning, Jesus is speaking to his own disciples. Jesus was in the habit of speaking to the crowds. From his own words, he was in the habit of speaking to the crowds by use of parables. But he spoke plain language to his own disciples according to Luke chapter 8 verse 10. And therefore this was one such occasion where you do not need to struggle to translate a parable as to what meaning Jesus attached to his message. Because there are very simple messages. Blessed are those who are merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. It's very simple. And uh, Just to move on, because he was speaking to his disciples, I asked myself, as as the Lord was speaking to me, who is a disciple? And the simplest definition of a disciple is a pupil, a student, an apprentice, or an adherent to the doctrines of another. A disciple embraces and assists in spreading the teaching of another, who is now the master or the discipler. Praise the Lord. He is a follower of another person. Praise. Are you disciples of Jesus Christ? So it means we are followers of Jesus Christ. We are students. You can replace all those, uh, those, uh, those nouns. We are pupils of Jesus Christ. He is our disciple. He is our master. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Discipleship, of course, involves uh, much more than just an outward change. But uh, much more... Uh, relating to an, uh, uh, an, an in, in, inward change or inside change, we are called to not only learn the teachings of Jesus Christ, but also to live them. And therefore, if you look at the Beatitudes, there are certain things that a disciple of Jesus Christ is expected to do. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah! It is this grounding, sitting at the feet of the Master, that makes us like a person or like a building which is constructed deep or which is constructed upon a rock. And the Bible says, even when the storms of life come, when the weather changes, it will be shaken, but it will not be brought down. Praise the Lord. It is that grounding, sitting at the feet of the Master, that we start knowing what identity we carry. And we start learning how to carry that identity. Amen. A disciple must hunger and thirst for the words like the taste or start admiring the taste and the likes of the master. The grooming, the appearance. He starts admiring even the associates of the master to the level that they will feel like the will lose their lives if they do not listen to their master. Or like they are lacking something. Like a piece of them has been cut off until they hear him yet again. Praise the Lord. The master becomes their chief role model. Are you getting this? What am I saying? Jesus Christ is our chief role model. If we are truly his disciples. Praise the Lord. One cannot be a disciple of a person they do not admire. And therefore, we can only be disciples of Jesus Christ if we desire to be like him. The disciples had to sit at the feet of Jesus Christ to the extent, even when they go, they went and tried to cast out a demon. And they did not obey them. They had to come foolishly and ask the master, you know, we went, we tried to do ABC. It didn't happen. What is the problem? And Jesus had to give them the formula. Praise the Lord. And there are many other things because Jesus Christ called his disciples. Each one of them. He told him, come follow me. A disciple follows the master. Or the person who disciple who is discipling them. The discipler. And therefore if we are disciples of Jesus Christ. Then we must be at the very basic level followers of Jesus Christ. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. It is only after Jesus Christ was satisfied that the disciples had been discipled enough. They had been schooled enough. They had been taught enough that he released them. He sent them to the field now to start practicing what all along he had been teaching them. Praise the Lord. He told them in verse 9 of Luke. One day Jesus called together his twelve disciples and he gave them power and authority to cast out all demons and to heal all diseases. Then he sent them out to everyone about, uh, to to, to tell everyone about the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. Who were sent out? The disciples. But when they are coming back, look at verse 10 of Luke. When the apostles returned they came and they were telling Jesus Christ everything that they had. When they were being sent, they were called who? Disciples. They were followers of Jesus Christ. They were his apprentices. But it's only at the level where he had taught them enough and he was satisfied with their performance and their preparation because that's about preparation for the ministry. Then Jesus sent them out. And when they come for the very first time, they are being referred to as the apostles, you know what the meaning of an apostle is. An apostle, in simple language, means the one who is sent. The one who is. You cannot be sent until you are prepared. The tragedy, of course, the, of the modern church, where we want to go out and doing all kinds of stuff before we are prepared. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. The twelve were not referred to as apostles until they were sent out, but, bef- uh, but before they could be sent out, they had to sit at the feet of their master to be discipled. They had to hunger and thirst for the master to the extent of spending every moment with him so as to learn from him. Part of the problem, of course, of the church is lack of this kind and of level of uh, hungering and thirsting for mentorship. Praise the Lord. As I was thinking about this message, actually, the Lord spoke to me the other day, and I just remembered my stupidity one time. You know, it happens, because I, 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 when I bought my first car, I bought my first car, it was the second-hand car. It was a Beetle, actually. those days it was not such a, a classless car. And it's a car that uh, the first owner was the Muranga County Council. My uncle had bought it because he used to work for for BAT in Sagana. And when he came now, he bought another car and he sold this one to me. I was still young and excited about life just as, as I am today. And out of my foolishness, I'm excited to have a new car. It was being driven initially by the mechanic who used to maintain it for me. And he would bring me, we would come up to, I come, because I used to work on shift. I was a young graduate, I was uh, working on shift. And uh, I would come, I leave it with him, he does all kinds of stuff, taxi work and all that. Friday I take it, I roll down, of course, uh, towards my rural home, uh, because my wife that time was teaching in a secondary school just next to our home. And life was good. But before then, the first day when I told this man, now I want to possess this vehicle fully. Perhaps out of malice. Or perhaps God wanted to teach me a lesson that I will never forget in life. He brings the car to my home. My rural home. That day we did not even have a, a wired sense, eh? It was the, the, the guys who come from Ocampan, they know how to use those bushes with thorns, eh? So the home up to the gate, uh, there is a nice gate, but then outside, of course, along the chambers is uh, those thorned uh, uh, bushes. Eh? And uh, I foolishly, I, he just told me, man, see this your vehicle? I said, yeah. You see the, the clutch, the accelerator, the brake? So the three pedals. Eh? And then the, the gear, the gear lever? I said, yeah. Of course, the steering, uh, steering wheel is obvious. So he told me, now you can zoom. And foolishly, I started the engine. And uh, my second born son, not Jones, eh? the, older, the older son, jumped in. My two <laughs> male workers jumped in. They thought uh, the boss can always be, should always be right. He cannot be wrong. And that's what a disciple is. I think God is also reminding me another angle. That they actually thought I was a good disciple. But I think I was foolish. I just uh, engaged gear number one and zoomed off towards the gate. And the car started moving. I got so scared. I lost my composure. I could not even remember how to change the gear. And I could not even remember. So, but God somehow helped me. You see, out of our foolishness, many times, God saves us from many instances when we should have died. But because we have not yet declared enough of his oracles in the land of the living. He gives us another chance and he gave me another chance. Because I moved with that car, I'm still, you know when you are scared, you, don't, you can't even remember to, to, to remove your foot from the accelerator. And thank God I was going uphill. And I drove, the car is moving uphill, eh, Until I didn't know what to do. I, I don't know where I would have ended. And uh, until the gear lost its power because now you are going uphill and the car, the engine just uh, cut off, eh? And uh, these guys came out, everybody with tears in their eyes, and, uh, and, uh, and, and sweating and panting, sweating and panting, and I'm sweating and panting, until this man comes running. I'm still on the, on the driver's seat, and uh, he comes running, He says, he's laughing, foolishly laughing, actually. And uh, I'm so scared, I think I should have been dead by now. And God reminded me last Sunday, actually, that this is how many times Christians take their lives. You get on the road. You don't have a road map. You have not been discipled. You don't sit with anybody to mentor you, to tell you how a Christian is supposed to live and behave. Because discipling is much more than knowing the word of God. It's also about our conduct. How do we conduct ourselves in different different, uh, situations? Many times, The Bible says in in Ecclesiastes that there is a time to speak and a time to keep quiet. And many times we need to keep quiet so that we hear others and we learn from them. But because we have not been discipled, everybody speaks and therefore nobody is listening to the other one, to, to, to anyone else. Praise the Lord. This is the tragedy, brethren, that the church is living with today. We need to trust for the teachings of the master to the level that we would want him to teach us how to pray. Can you remember the disciples asking Jesus Christ to teach them how to pray? You think they, have never, they had never been with Jesus Christ and they had not observed how he used to pray. But they wanted that lesson to sink to think because it has come straight from the mouth of the master so that they know we have been discipled in ways of prayer. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah! Many of us miss actually miss our pathway or our direction because of uh, not taking time to be discipled. Because you just live out like myself without knowing what to do when the car starts accelerating. You can imagine if I was on a highway. I would have killed at least four people including myself. And that's what we do with our lives, with our Christian lives. We need to hunger. We need to thirst for the teachings, for the grooming of the master so that we know how to conduct ourselves in every kind of situation. Praise the Lord. So that we also know that we should never be intimidated by any situation. This morning I woke up with a dream. And I always remember when God taught me from Habakkuk. That when he speaks to me I need to write my dream down. And let another person, if I do not want to run with it, run with it. And I woke up this morning and the Lord was showing me something like... Uh, I had, uh, I was uh, you know somewhere with uh, a town I know a small shopping center I know near my rural home and I was with my wife and my and my son John and uh, we went we parked the car I was driving we walked we don't know what we were buying we came back we could not uh, place the car now but it, not that, that it had been. so I started looking for the car and somehow I lost them. And I, I found myself having drifted towards the outside, the, almost the periphery of the small shopping center. And as I'm coming back, I'm trying to call them. I realized I had carried all their, their phones. Eh? And then when I heard my wife's phone ring, I heard somebody speaking in it. And I had not received it. And he was threatening me. And he was saying, uh, he's going to sue me. he's you know, like, he thinks he's speaking to my wife because I'm carrying the phone. And he says, I'm going to sue him, even for defamation and for falsely accusing me. And I said, "What is this?" I couldn't get. I I could almost get who it was, and I, 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 it doesn't matter to me because that's another lesson. And when I walk, I just woke up, and God told me, "You have not received the spirit of uh, fear." Second Timothy one seven. But you have uh, you, you have received the spirit of power, of love, and of a sound mind. A disciple must have a sound mind. You have a sound mind because you have been groomed to the level that you know when you should speak and when you should keep quiet and listen. Praise the Lord, when you should cast out demons and when you should simply command a situation to change because you have got the power to create in Jesus' name. Praise the Lord. What about what is it about so much important about uh, hungering and fasting, hungering? It's about uh, having a strong desire or craving for something. It's a craving or urgent need for food or a specific nutrient. A strong desire. That's from Marion Webster Dictionary. To thirst is to crave vehemently also and urgently. You see, vehemently and urgently. To have a strong desire for something. It's a sensation of dryness in the mouth and throat caused by need of a liquid or a strong desire eager desire or a craving for something hunger and thirst are natural expressions of the basic desire and need for food and water now I'm going back to the very basics Psalm 631 says oh God you are my God honestly I seek you my soul thirsts for you my body longs for you in a dry and weary land where there is no water we need to, 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 to establish a, a hunger and a thirst for God to the level where we cannot do anything without consulting God. Of course, lack of appetite is the opposite of hunger. It signals a problem with our health. And it will be fatal if not addressed. It will cause death. If we do not address hunger, if we do not address uh, sorry, lack of appetite. Or lack of hunger, if you may. Or lack of thirst. You will not drink water, you will not take food. And therefore, naturally, you will die. I was told, I was speaking to a doctor one time, several years ago, and he told me many times people do not die because of sickness. One, they die because of shock. Two, because sometimes we think they die because of the pain. They die because of shock. And two, they die when they lose their will to live. They lose their will to live, they will die. In normal circumstances, or so in the secular life, if we do not address lack of appetite, then it's a signal that we are actually quoting death. At times, it needs appetizers, but most times, it needs a personal determination. Because sometimes when you are not well, you will not, be, you will not hunger for anything. You will be hungry, but you will not have appetite. You have to have to make a personal choice to live. Praise the Lord. And you force food to go down your throat. And that's exactly what we need to do with in, the, in our relationship or concerning our relationship with God. At times, of course, we we'll need appetizers, other people to encourage us. To do certain things, to, to pray, to, to read the word of God, to sit with other brethren, of course, for fellowship, and so on and so forth. But then of course, many times it only requires our personal determination, because as God gave us His spirit, He also created us with a, an element called choice. That's a, an important faculty. We must make a choice between living and dying, praise the Lord. The death may be slow if we fail to address lack of appetite. But sure, if the problem is not addressed, it will come. One time the Lord spoke to me. I was preparing a totally different message. And the Lord spoke to me about backsliding. And he told me when people start backsliding, backsliding, you know, simply means going backwards. You have been going this way then you are backsliding. You are sliding backwards slowly by slowly. That's why it's backsliding. And he told me they do not. it's not an instantaneous happening. It's not an instantaneous event. It is something that happens slowly by slowly with small signs that are telltale. And we need to read a lot from those signals. He told me, he showed me a man walking with his wife. And as the man is walking with his wife holding hands, He sees other ladies and they are walking with the wife. They are walking in this direction. He's still looking. Men, you had better get this lesson. It's also the beginning of divorce. You are walking with your wife and you are still looking at the backs of other women. And with time, with time, they actually start sliding away from their wife. That's the message, the image, the Lord, the vision the Lord showed me. And he told me this is about backsliding. It is not an instantaneous event. It is a slow but sure event if nobody, if the person who is experiencing it, does not address it. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. And this is also what happens with appetite. Even appetite for the things of God. The disciples of Jesus Christ could have started sliding slowly by slowly. And those who slided perhaps like Judas, because the Bible later says... He, he, it was his character because he was also even putting his hand in the collection basket in the treasury. So he must have been started sliding slowly by slowly to the level. It is so slow that nobody notices that he's actually moving backwards. Perhaps Jesus noticed because he was God. Amen. Praise the Lord, why hunger and thirst? Jesus said He is the bread of life in John. And he says, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never go hungry. And whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. That is Jesus Christ himself speaking. What does he call himself? The bread of life. If we do not hunger for the bread of life, we will surely die spiritually. That's the the bottom line. In John 4.14 he says, whoever drinks when he was speaking to the Samaritan woman, he says, whoever drinks of the water that I give will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give will become in him a spring, of, a spring of water welling to everlasting life. What is it? We thirst for what Jesus gives. Then springs of water well up in us, up to everlasting life. It means, if we do not thirst after what Jesus gives, after the water Jesus gives then we are likely to dry up before we reach eternity. Get it, brethren, in Jesus' name. We benefit from the living water. We will not benefit from the living water unless we thirst for it. Nor from the bread of life unless we hunger or crave for it. Many suffer malnutrition due to wrong choices. Craving for junk. What is it that we crave for? Of course, football is there. Especially World Cup. How much time do we dedicate for prayer during World Cup? Now there is one program my wife likes in, in, in Asia this week. Eh? Is the, uh, the soap operas. And all of us have something uh, that we like doing. You know, I, God was speaking to me as, as, as I meditated upon this word. And he reminded me the story of Lot. And you know what the Bible says about Lot? He went, of course, he, accompanied, he didn't have the calling. Abraham had the calling. And when they, they started differing, Abraham told him, please choose brethren, cannot continue fighting. We cannot. We are brothers. So he told Lot, please choose the area that you want. And chose when, using his, you know, can or mind. He went and chose the most fertile land, of course, in the, in the wilderness. And God told Abraham, Now that uh, this guy, now I'm using my own words, this guy has gone. He was your extra baggage. You know, sometimes you don't task because of extra baggage. We are are so careful about the problems of other people that we forget being careful about our relationship with God. Praise the Lord. A disciple always cares about the relationship with his master or her master. Praise the Lord. Because it is the master that matters. What the master says is, uh-uh. what the master says is called gospel truth. What the master says is true. If you are a disciple, that's the danger of uh, being discipled by a crafty fellow. Because you start being crafty like them. I think it's second or first Corinthians 15 verse 3. It says a good company, bad company corrupts good morals. Bad company will corrupt bad good morals. Otherwise, if my morals are bad, what kind of, a, what kind of character do you, do you expect me to pass to you? When I lay my hands on you, if I'm a liar, I'm actually, I can only impart what I have. That's what, uh, what Paul says. When he talks about the Holy Communion, he says we, I can only give to you what I have been given by my God, by, by the master. You cannot give what you do not have. When God was speaking to Moses he asked him, what is in your hand? And Moses said, a staff. And that's what God uses. God demands accountability of what we have. And it's the only thing that we can pass to others. I cannot pass to anybody what Apostle Joe has. Because it's not in me. I can only pass what I have. Praise the Lord. And therefore we need to choose our disciples or our masters, those who disciples, we need to be careful as we choose them in Jesus name. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. So Lot decided when he chose the best of the land, he went and he pitched his tents, surprisingly facing Sodom and Gomorrah. So every time as Abraham is calling upon the face of God on the other side which was supposedly Dry. But God made it fertile. Because when God spoke to Abraham, he said, look and see as far as your eye can see. I will give this land to you. And I will bless you. Praise the Lord. Oh, hallelujah. And as Abram was seeking the face of the Lord, Lord was actually his tent was facing, not facing away from Sodom and Gomorrah. It was facing Sodom and Gomorrah. His World Cup was the scenes that were happening in Sodom and Gomorrah. And he paid, he paid with his life and his reputation. Because when Sodom and Gomorrah were run down by foreign forces, Abraham was actually one of the captives. No, no, Sodom, Lot was one of the captives. And it took the man of God, Abraham, to go after Lot, to go and rescue Lot, his wife, his children, and his children's children, and everything that he owned. He was one of the spoils of war. When you become a spoil of war, you are like a uh, good, like a uh, like mkate, a mambuzi. You are not a human being because you are actually virtually a slave. Praise the Lord. We need to be careful who mendels us, who of course disciples us. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. It also calls for good training of course by parents to the young ones so that uh, they start exposing the right values in life. Praise the Lord. It's about being discipled. My son might not remember, but when he went to class 1, I always remember this because it challenged me. He used to hear when we were reading the, the Bible. And he went, and you know I'm not very beautiful am I? So he went and when he ended up, uh, when he reported to school that day the elder sister was somewhere in class 3 class 4. Oh uh, no, class 5 or so. And this young boy is in class 1. And therefore they were in class eh? And you know, he remembered the word of God, discipling, discipling, hungering and fasting for the right things, for the right values in life. You know, he looked at them and he said, look, actually when God created me, he looked at me and he said, I am beautiful. So what is it? That they went to, my, to the sister, they said, eh, hey, hey. eh. We were shocked. We were trying actually to, to joke. You see, now it is a joke. It's not intimidation or bullying. We are trying to joke with your, with your brother. And he told us he is created in the image and the likeness of God. And God looked at him and he said he's beautiful. The importance of mentoring the young ones. Part of the problem is feasting on junk food. You know, part of, many, many of us do not eat well in normal life now, secular. Because we, we search, we crave for those uh, junk eh? Junk, junk stuff, eh? Coke. No, no, no. I don't want to be accused by a Coke. Call it whatever you want. I mean, those, that the stuff that you know, you know it's not good for your health. But you pray for it so that when you go home and you find a balanced diet, you, your stomach is already full. And that's us. Because when you fill our minds and our hearts with junk, those stuff we watch, some of them are so dirty, we would not want... Actually, we went one time and my wife... Sometimes he's scared of uh, couple's meetings. eh? Because when we used to have a nice group, we used to encourage one another, to exhort one another. We would go out and pay for ourselves and speak to our lives. And one time, brethren are sharing with us and they are telling us, you know, after those pornos, they are very good for, for couples. And I said, that's madness, honestly. Because when I fill myself with garbage, it is garbage that will be flowing out of my heart and through my mouth and through my mind. And I start seeing images of garbage. And that is where the stage many of us are. And therefore because our hearts and our minds are already full of garbage and junk. Why do you think it's called junk? Junk is garbage. So that food we eat, we crave for, it's called junk because it's actually garbage. It's only supposed to help you survive, but not to add to any of your nutritional needs. And that's the reason some of us are still limping, even when we are supposed to be teachers. We are supposed to be be apostles. We are supposed to be prophets. We cannot as yet prophesy, because although we have been in the discipleship, pathway for a long time. We are taking too much junk. Praise the Lord. Uh -uh. Uh-uh. If you are not uh, happy with me, just know this is the message that I got from the Lord. So you will excuse me. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. When our tummies are full of junk, it leaves no space for real nutritious food. We need to go back to our senses, and ask ourselves what it is that we pray for every time we wake up in the morning. Is it God? What is your first priority of the day? Praise the Lord! Hallelujah! Oh, Hallelujah! Part of eating junk is also allowing worry to take the the better part of ourselves, because Jesus warns about it in John, in Matthew six. He said, if you are so worried about the issues of life, what you will eat, what you, how you will dress, where you will spend your night, and so on and so forth, what is it that is different between you and those others who do not know me, who have not been discipled by me? My own words again. Don't they just crave for the same things? Don't they get, just get worried about the same things? And then that's where the verse we like quoting comes in, verse 3 of Matthew 6. But seek ye first. Crave for the kingdom of God. Hunger and thirst for the kingdom of God. And all these things will be added unto you praise the Lord. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. We need to learn to thirst and to hunger for the kingdom of God, for the teachings of Jesus Christ. His, we are His disciples so that these other things can be added unto me. Let me tell you my story. You see, I am not a, of a very big stature. But nobody shakes me. Not even in my place of work. It doesn't matter their seniority. But I know how to respect my seniors. I honor them. Because the Bible reminds me, as a Christian who has been discipled under the feet of the Lord Jesus Christ, I need to honor authority. This is where we miss again. Because the moment we are not discipled, we do not know protocol. So we think we are equal to everybody. Being a child of God, unless you are schooled in the school of God, does not amount to much. In fact, it's as disastrous as trying to drive my old B2 without, without having sat in a driving class. Get it? It is that dangerous. And it's more dangerous... Because here we are talking about matters of eternal life. We are not talking about driving on Kenyan roads. Praise the Lord. Oh, hallelujah. We need to go back to the basics. The prodigal son missed his path because he was perhaps he did not have enough time to be schooled by the master, who was perhaps the father. And he decided to move away from the grace of the Father. You know, the moment you move out of the grace of the Father, the grace of the Father does not cover you. Uh, 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 If I walk into Uganda now, I will still be a Kenyan citizen until I change my citizenship. But I will still go, and the laws of Kenya, although I am a Kenyan citizen, the laws of Kenya will not apply in Uganda. It is the laws of Uganda that will apply for as long as I am within the demonstration of the jurisdiction of the Ugandan government. That is exactly what happens when we walk away from the feet of Jesus Christ. We are at the mercy of the world. We are at the mercy of thugs who call themselves apostles. Who call themselves prophets. They give you oil, you take asuboi, sasaba, and Yausiku. Unamu kata kame nisakumi yojiku because prophet Amesema. And the Lord has been speaking to me about something. If Moses was as foolish as today's Christian, he would, every day he wants to see the Lord have gone back to the burning bush because that's where he first saw the Lord. And that's where you see the folly of prophets and apostles who have not been schooled in the school of God to know that you cannot determine... The pathway of God is just like you cannot determine where the wind comes from the next moment and where it goes. That's exactly what Ecclesiastes says. We see God; He tells us, "Give these people some oil. Pour oil on them today, and tomorrow, even before God speaks, you are pouring oil on them because you think that's what that's how God works." Moses would have been go every time he has a problem, like when he had a problem with his sister Miriam and and uh, 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 and his brother Aaron. You would have gone to the burning bush thinking that's where he's going to, go, to see God, even if it's a hundred uh, or a thousand kilometers away. Because those are the patterns we have copied because of not sitting at the feet of the one who can disciple us and groom us in the faith. We are shaken on every side by every wind of doctrine because we are not grounded. It is that discipline that grounds us in the faith. So that we know our identity. The prodigal son forgot his identity. His identity was a noble son. He was the son of a, a noble, able, known, rich powerful man. But you know, surprisingly, he ended up eating with pigs. Because in the kingdom of pigs, the law of nobility does not apply. It doesn't matter. You are in the kingdom of pigs. You will start behaving like pigs. You start smelling like pigs. Because how can you compete for food with pigs? If you are not smelling with them, they will first bite you thinking it's food. This is a reality, brethren. I was taught by one man of God. When you do not listen to counsel, and especially spiritual counsel, you will go down the road away from the grace of God just like the prodigal son. When you come back, your father, God, will still be waiting for you. You never see. I'm tired of forgiving you, but know what? You'll come back with so many bruises and scars that you'll live with them the rest of your life. I heard. I heard. Uh, I think this man was. Uh, he was preaching sometime several years ago in uh, in uh, in NPC NPC Valley Road, and he said. You know, according to the book of Revelation, some people will go to heaven without their heads because they, have been, they would have been beheaded for the sake of their faith because they will only have remembered like the prodigal son and they have drifted too far from the grace of the Father when the rapture has happened. And then they realize everybody else has been raptured who believes in God. Lack of good grounding so that you do not, you are not able to read the signs of the times, even when you have drifted so far. Why do some of us even entertain some of this stuff? You sit in a matatu, and you see even fellows you think look respectable. They are looking at those uh, crazy images. And you see them shaking a bit. Eh? Now the phone has become another crazy thing. This has just come to me. Because I've heard even Christians lie on the phone. Because they think nobody is seeing them. They have not been schooled in the school of God. They have not been discipled enough. And therefore they do not know the essence and the gravity of hungering and thirsting for the truth of the word of God. You know God will always protect you. One of the things I've learned when I was telling you, I'm not a big person but I am I, not intimidated by anybody. When my boss comes to me I tell them the truth. If I've not done an assignment, I've not done it but it's in the pipeline. How far? Give me one day, sir or madam. And I'm done. And I did that my first my first instance. I was a young I young forecast You know, I started as a forecaster, meteorologist. And this boss comes and he asks me, Young man, how come now you're analyzing an empty chart? And I said, sir, I knew the story. I said, sir, the data comes in batches, three batches. And you have only received the first batch. So there is no cause for Allah. And somebody, these guys are looking at You know, I'm, a, I'm foolishly a young guy and I'm just speaking to the boss carelessly. I didn't know. But I thought speaking the truth is what will be my salvation because I'm a Christian. And uh, he said, eh, so you have told me there is no cause for Allah. I said, yes, sir, there is no cause for Allah. <laughs> and he told me, threateningly, he told me, I'll come back later. And I'll actually come to confirm that there is indeed no cause for alarm. I said, yes, sir. And as uh, he was walking away, one of the older guys came running. He said, my friend, you are so lucky. Times have changed. If it was during what I said, there is nothing that has changed. And I asked him, what is, what is worse? Lying that I have the information I can do and support the information that not come. So what is it that will be plotted so that I analyze a chart that has got information? I remember telling one of my bosses in recent times, because he was giving, I was actually, I had worked so, 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 so crazily. I had slept for three nights, I was sleeping, 3 a.m., 3 a.m., finalizing, that's how, that's how, that's how diligent I am at work, so that you don't, I don't talk to you like this, and you go and become careless at work, and you say you are not intimidated by your boss. You have to do what is supposed to be done. So when I've got an assignment, and that's how I've created. A, 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 a God has helped me, covering me with His grace that covers me like a shield. But He cannot cover you with His grace if you have drifted away from His grace, from His feet. And uh, this day, the boss calls me. I was actually almost fainting. I've not slept for three days. I've slept for no more than seven hours in total. Perhaps, perhaps slightly more. And then he calls me back. I'm going home and it's almost 7 o'clock. And I tell the driver, that time I was uh, having the courtesy of being driven. Eh? I tell the driver, the boss is calling, let's go back. And we went back. And he tried to give me an assembly. And I said, sir, if you force me to start working now, I can easily faint in your office. And he looked at me and he said, hey, what do you mean? I, thought, I told him, sir, I have not slept for more than six hours in three days. Completing the assignment that I have just submitted to you. And now you are telling me to start work again. And he relaxed and started telling me stories, comforting me. And he said, I am very sorry. I actually know you are a very hard working person. I respect you. That is God. Hallelujah. Woo! Hallelujah. I, I showed respect. But I spoke the truth. Because the truth sets me free. Praise the Lord. I am a child of God. Oh, hallelujah! Oh, hallelujah! So I don't let anybody intimidate me. Neither do I let any situation intimidate me. It doesn't matter. Because my master is the master of every situation. Praise the Lord! That is the work, the result of discipleship, being discipled, being established in the foundation of the faith. Hallelujah! You know, he told me, he asked me, do you drink? I said, I don't drink. And then I turned to him, I said, even when I, when I tried it, it never tasted well. It never tasted good. So what, is, what if I, I, I drank? He told me, if you drank, you know, if you, 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 you are taking beer. No, you just go and take two tots on the rock and then you'll be fine. You, your head, you are saying your head is splitting. It simply. I said, well, even when I, t- when I tried it, it was never good for me. But then I leave the story at that point. And he told me, don't work. Don't work today. Listen, brethren. The same man who was calling me back, I'm being driven home. eh? He's telling me, don't work today. Tomorrow, take your breakfast. Just walk around. Take your time. Relax. If you have got anywhere like hills or mountains where you can go to, go and walk there. And then come back in the evening. You know that's good. Eh? Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Because none of my bosses will ever accuse me for being rude. Or for being not diligent. Because they know when I touch something it has to go through in Jesus name. It's not because of me the grace of the Lord that covers me like a shield according to Psalm 5. You know what Moses said? Moses was telling God, we misquote these scriptures. We talk about Moses and the presence of God and God. Moses talked to God in uh, Exodus chapter 3 and he said, God, if you have found favor with you, then show us your presence. And he is beginning with God and God says, yes, you have found favor with me. And he told us, he told, Moses, he told God, God, if we have found favor with you, then show us your presence. You know what he said about the presence of God? He said the presence of God is a sign of His favor toward them. What is more, is it the presence of God or the favor of God? The presence is only a sign of His favor. He will not go with you unless you have found favor with Him. The presence of God. Is the sign, is a signal for others to know this man has found favor with God. Praise the Lord. Oh, hallelujah. I'm winding up, although this brother is not stopping me. We need God to go back to the basics preference. The prodigal son had to be for the prodigal son to be restored, he had to come back to his senses and remember his identity. I am a disciple. So every time my anger tries to rise up, I remember I'm a disciple of Jesus Christ. And you know my anger actually can kill. Let me tell you, the anger of a Christian, a child of God, can kill. And then you start struggling with issues of going to repent to God. That I think I caused the death of so and so. We need to be discipled to the level of controlling our anger. Because you have been given the spirit of power, of love, and of a sound mind. When you are of a sound mind, you make choices like a gentleman and like a lady. A lady and a gentleman who listens to God, who has the heart of God. The love, the element of love. You love the other fellow, you do not want to cast them to death, no matter what they have done to you. Let God... Be the judge. Let God be your avenger. Let God do the revenge for you. Forget about taking revenge in your hands. Because that's not part of the discipleship lessons that you got from Christ. Look at these uh, beatitudes. They sound nice actually. And if every Christian actually showed those, you know, practice the beatitudes, life would be so good would actually, everybody will say, hey, hey, there is a, a church there whose members are totally different. Our ukiwaprovoke. our Awaliki kwa sababu ya sira. Sometimes wanalea wakikurumia. Praise the Lord. Jesus cried over Jerusalem. He didn't kill Jerusalem. And yet he was uh, the only begotten son of God. As we have been engrafted to God, through the atonement work of Jesus Christ, He was the only begotten Son of God. He cried over Jerusalem because of the sins of Jerusalem, the rejection that He experienced. He cried over the city, and He was saying, "I wish Jerusalem knew the person who is speaking to it, the person who is living in its midst, and then they would be saved." I'm using my own words. I'm using my own words. He never cursed them. The only thing that I remember Jesus casting was the fig tree. If you want to go and cast fig trees, don't cast other people. Because your word, your word carries the power of life and death. Your word carries the power of life and death. The Lord was speaking to me this week about Joseph. And Joseph was sold to slavery by his own brethren. And when they came... And they realized who he was. They were was trying to apologize. He was actually, feeling so guilty. They said, "You know, we are sorry. Actually, you know, circumstances—the way those reasons we give, eh? circumstances—we are so hungry. Perhaps we are so either hungry or angry. There a hunger, I'm a anger." And Joseph looked at them and he said, "You know, what you actually was meant to cause destruction to me, or to destroy me." God exactly used it to bless me. That's a Christian. That's a disciple. Hallelujah. Oh, praise the Lord. We need to go back to the basics. Remember who we are. A disciple knows who they belong to. Their identity. Who am I? I'm a disciple of Jesus Christ. A child of God. A servant of the Most High God. My word carries on my tongue. Carries the power of life and death. I don't use it carelessly. I cannot even hate. I cannot even hate. I cannot even hate. Because that hatred can cause damage on somebody. I'm telling you the truth. And the moment, because even when, you see, God never withdraws the anointing on you. Even when you drift away, he never withdraws the anointing. The anointing is still on you. The callings of God are without repentance. He never recalls the anointing on you. It's dangerous to hate people. It's dangerous not to be humble before people. It's dangerous. It's dangerous. Anything we do that we know it's not godly. It's dangerous. Very dangerous for our own selves. And for those others we are interacting with. We need to repent in Jesus' name. I will not cause you, I will not make you do it, but you know the area of your life, your walk with Christ, that needs to be rectified. That is The, the prodigal son had to remember who he was. He remembered, ah, ah, I am so and so, Stephen, the son of the king. And he remembered who he belongs to. He remembered, I belong to my father. And he remembered where he belongs. He belongs to the household of the father, where even workers had enough To eat, get satisfied, and there will still be a remainder for anybody else who comes after them. And he had to desire to hunger, to thirst, to crave, to go back to the household of his father. That's what we need as disciples, brethren, in Jesus' name. Let's lift our hands in Jesus' name. Father, we thank you. We bless you. We exalt you, Lord. We worship you, King of kings and Lord of lords. You are spoken unto us, O King of glory. We pray, Lord, any area of weakness, any area, Lord, that has put your name into disrepute, O King of glory. We repent. We confess, O Lord, and we repent, O King of glory. And we turn, O God, to go back, O King of glory, to sit at your feet, O King of glory, to be discipled, O Lord, to be grounded, O King of glory, in your word, O my Father, in the name of Jesus. Let's say these words in Jesus' name. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, I bow before you. I confess, O King of glory, every failure, Lord, every moment that I have drifted away, Lord, from your feet, O King of glory, every moment I have drifted, O God, from your will, Lord, I have suffered, because I've been on my own, O King of Glory. Because I am outside your grace, O God. And now, Lord, I want to confess for, on those, those moments, O King of Glory. And repent, O God, for putting your name to disrepute, O King of Glory. Now your spirit has reminded me of my identity. I am your child. I am your disciple. I am your servant, O King of glory, called to declare your oracles to generations of hallelujah in the land of the living. I want to come back to you, Lord. Forgive me. Cleanse me, Lord. Wash me by the blood of Jesus. And Lord, start grooming me yet again so that I can walk with you, O King of glory, in your will In the name of Jesus. Father, we bless you. We exalt you, Lord. We thank you for speaking to us, O King of Glory. Let your word, Lord, find root in our hearts, Lord, and our lives. Streamline us, O King of Glory. In the path of uh, discipleship. In the path, O God, of, of, of walking with Christ. O Hallelujah. Remind us by your Holy Spirit. Every time we are tempted to drift away of who we are. And that in in our Father's house are many mansions. We are not short of houses. We are not short of accommodation. We are not short of solutions in our Father's house. We pray, Lord, that you bless our families. We undo every curse that we have cursed others with in the name of Jesus. Every element of hatred, Lord, that we have practiced, we withdraw it, denounce it, And cancel it in the name of Jesus. Every element of discrimination, Lord. Lord, we want to undo it in the name of Jesus. Forgive us, Lord. And walk with us, Lord, yet again in Jesus' name. Amen.